Our guys from the Post-Gazette were working long hours at M&T Bank Stadium, and Ray Fittipato's back in Pittsburgh after the Steelers' crazy 16-13 win over the Ravens. We're going to break down that win. Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, what are those guys doing right right now for the Steelers, and how, how buildable is this into the future of what Mike Tomlin wants to assemble with the young picks that they're putting on the roster? All that, and of course, the defense as well, right here on a Victory Monday for the North Shore Drive podcast here on the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. It's going to be a fun episode. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. And welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato, and we are of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This, uh, this episode, of course, brought to you by the Acrisure Fan Advantage, where you can get one of our Post-Gazette Steelers beat riders into your home or office, project, projecting them uh, with augmented reality to get you an exclusive pre-game, pre-game breakdown on right on your phone from a Steelers expert standing right in your living room. Get the latest insights on starting lineups, key matchups, and critical stats at post-gazette.com slash Acrisure Fan Advantage. No apps or downloads, just insider access to Steelers update at post-gazette.com slash Acrisure fan advantage to get a real edge on this week's action we remember you can find this show on apple spotify google podcasts and especially on youtube like this video if you see it on youtube subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily episodes and content this show runs monday wednesday friday it's the monday episode which means we got ray back ray how was the drive back from baltimore after a long night of a game it was uh beautiful for the first half of the trip then we hit some rain no, no. Uh, coming back to pittsburgh but uh Four-hour trip, I'll take that any day uh, rather than flying somewhere, Chris. I hear that. I hear that. But let, let's talk, of course, about the, the big thing to talk about, and it's Kenny Pickett leading another game-winning drive for the Steelers in a big moment. Um, th- this was a this was a, this was another game where the offense didn't really put it together through throughout most of the game. Just like the Raiders struggled to find answers, you know, had missed field goals, missed opportunities. You know, there was the play where George Pickens could have won a a one on one battle in the end zone. You know, he stepped out of bounds. They weren't doing everything perfect, but then in the final drive in the last minute, Kenny Pickett just goes on fire, delivers some strikes, uh, a great pass to Steven Sims for 28 yards over the middle. And then, of course, the last play where he throws a touchdown, scrambles to his left, beats uh, Jason uh, Jason Pierre-Paul just by an inch, and then throws it to to Najee Harris in the back part of the the end zone um, and and gets the Steelers a lead. What can you say about what Kenny Pickett, what's what's the best thing that you think that Kenny Pickett does to rise up in these moments? Uh, he's just, he's got a knack for those moments, Chris. And I don't think that's something you can teach. And I think that's something that uh, this coaching staff and this front office can really hang their hats on going forward. Like, you you, you know, once he gains more experience, he's going to be a much better quarterback for the first three and a half quarters of these games, right? You know he's going to get better at reading coverages. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot of growth and development it needs to take place there. Um, you know, you can't go on averaging 17 points a game and fashion yourself as a playoff contender. That's just – that's not the way the NFL is th- these days. But when you look at these last two games, um, there's just something about his his resolve there. 
um, doing it under pressure. I mean, it's just, it's impressive stuff. There's, there's no two ways around it. So um, yeah, I mean, I, no matter what happens in week 18, Chris, you know, the Steelers win, the Steelers lose, whether they get help or not, there's a lot that they have to build on going into this off season. I mean, it, just Kenny Pickett's um, development and late game situations. I mean, the, the Steelers have to feel great um, about the, the last two weeks, obviously getting the wins, but just, Kenny getting that experience and, and coming through in those situations. Pro football reference tracks what they call game-winning drive, which I believe to understand are just drives that get you the lead in a game that you won in the fourth quarter. This is now Kenny Pickett's fourth game-winning drive that they've recorded. They gave him uh, one for the Saints, one for the Colts, one for the Raiders, and now one for the Ravens game. Ben Roethlisberger himself had about six different seasons where he had four or more game-winning drives in, in a season. Are, is this something that you see that's tangible that can leak forward into future years for Kenny Pickett, or is this just he's has a hot man and a hot hand in, in like the late moment of some games that have just kind of worked in his favor? No, I think that's absolutely that they're something that they're going to be able to lean on uh, going forward. I mean, I understand he's not going to come through every single time. And if you keep playing in these one-score games, um, eventually it's not going to go your way. So, you know, you would like whether it's it's this week against Cleveland or if you're talking about the playoffs or certainly in 2023, you want to get to be good enough where you can have 10-point leads in the fourth quarter and maybe you can uh, have that running game sort of, um, you know, uh, take over games and you can have some, some easier, easier um, you know, finishes. But for now, the way this team is built um, around the defense, around a conservative um, game plan, around a good rushing attack here in the second half of the season, he's finding himself in more of these situations and he's coming through. But again, Chris, you got to be careful. How many times – can you go back to the well and not only count on fourth quarter comebacks, but count on a rookie doing it, right? I mean, that's right. It's not sustainable. So uh, full credit to that offensive staff and, and to Kenny for getting it done, uh, certainly the last two weeks. But um, they got to figure out a way to score more points. And, they, you know, while, while their record is, is, is good in one-score games, you, you got to figure out a way to – to maybe uh, win some of these 27 to, to 14 instead of uh, 20 to 17, if you know what I mean. No, absolutely. These things come back to bite you because there's going to be games where, you know what, what if his his pass gets tipped? What if Roquan Smith makes a heck of a play uh, on that Najee Harris touchdown? Like there's so many things that could happen in those situations that go against you that aren't because he was bad. You know, the other team could make a play, but you're absolutely right. So, you know, it's awesome to win these moments, but you can't always expect someone to win these moments. You got to have other things rise up. And I do think the one thing that's encouraging is that, in these games where the defense dominated and kept the, the, the team alive, the offense being able to come back in the end with a last-minute drive to help you. The Steelers, until these last two games, for the most part, had been a front-running team when they had won their games. They're, they they got a couple scores early, and then their offense just disappeared for, for a long time. The defense just had to just play stout and just hold up the rest of the way uh, and that's kind of been their formula but the, getting these two types of win I, I think it's it's really important um, and also this was a 10 point comeback when you consider that they were down 13 to 3 in the second half in the third quarter so um, I, I think that there's certainly something to grow from there but like you said you can't always live on that and even that during that game you know when when they were setting up for that drive you could kind of feel like 
they're going to get another chance at this. But like, this is risky business to keep putting, to keep having to to do this late. And again, that's not to say that the defense needs to do more to not allow a team to score, you know, 13 points in a game, but it's more like the Steelers offense kind of does need to come together and find a way to finish some drives because, you know, they had some red zone possessions where if they finish better, they're up late in that game. And, you know, sure, game, Kenny Pickett doesn't get the dramatic game-winning finish that, you know, everyone feels good about on Monday. Uh, but, you know, you still win the game, and you're still happy about winning a road game against a division rival that keeps your playoff hopes alive there. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you'll go ahead, Ray. I was going to say, you know, th- this offense still very much built where I don't want to say things have to go perfect for them, but they have to stay on schedule. You saw yesterday, first drive of the game, First and goal to two, boom. Uh, illegal procedure penalty on Pat Fryermuth, and then they didn't score a touchdown. They had to settle for a field goal. And then there was another instance uh, later in the game uh, where they had another another penalty, and it just kind of set them back. And once they get behind the sticks, they're not that type of an offense that's going to convert, um, you know, once you get to third and eight, third and 10, third and 12. So as long as they're on schedule um, – they can move the ball. I know it wasn't pretty stats-wise, but when you add up Kenny Pickett's passing stats and you add in the 198 rushing yards, they were up around 350 or 375 total yards in that game. So yeah, it's not it's not the fact that they can't move the ball. It's once you're, what you're doing once you get in the red zone. You know, uh, you know, we can talk about Matt Canada a little bit later on, but you know, eventually you got to get a little bit creative. You got to. Put you know, put the ball in your quarterback's hands, let him make a play down there. They really didn't do that until the end. And um, again, that's why you're in one score games. But uh, moving the ball for this football team, Chris, hasn't been an issue the last month or so. It's more so been scoring touchdowns rather than settling for field goals or you know, playing the field position game. I agree. And I think we could definitely talk about that. But while we talk about that, we also have to acknowledge the run game that they pulled off in this game against one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. We'll talk about that in a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It's Chris Carter and Ray Fittipato. But first, got to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa. The holidays may be over, but it's still the lot of cold weeks coming ahead. And if you want to find a way to enjoy the cold and be stress-free, you need to go get yourself a hot, a hot tub, a swim spa, or a sauna from Valley Pool and Spa. You can relax and soak in a hot tub or a swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa and while the snow's flying and or you could choose to refresh and rejuvenate in one of their Finleo saunas that are going to melt your stress away faster than the Frosty in Aruba. Save big now on all the in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and saunas at valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, it's Chris Carter and Ray Fittipato breaking things down after the Steelers' 16-13 win over the Baltimore Ravens. We're not going to flip over to defense just yet because we talked about Kenny Pickett, and I wanted to focus on him. He's the rookie quarterback with his fourth game-winning drive, and that was exciting. But, Ray, did, did you expect the Steelers' running backs to combine for 187 rushing yards on, 20, on 34 carries? Because that, to me was extremely impressive the way they ran the ball. Uh, not only the best game of the season rushing rise, Chris, the best game of Mike Tomlin's tenure as Whoa. head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 198 rushing yards. Um, and there were a few times where, you know, they did the little uh, jet sweep motion to Jalen Warren where you could kind of say, 
They schemed it up against a very good Ravens rush defense. But I think for the most part, 80 to 85% of those runs, they were just lining up and they were, uh, they, they were getting five, six yards a pop on um, uh, whatever they called, whatever they ran. So it, it was very impressive. Jalen Warren's kind of been the same dude all year. He, he's been very good. He knows one direction, and that's straight ahead, and that's mm-hmm. and that's great. Najee Harris, since the bye week, uh, Chris, you could tell the difference in his running style. Yeah. Um, they sat down at the bye. They talked about it. Um, he needed to put his foot in the ground and to get upfield quicker, and he's done that for the last two months or so. So, uh, I mean – very, very good. Um, you sort of hate that it's happening this late in the season. You kind of wonder what they would have been in, if this had transpired earlier, but I guess uh, better late than never. Um, that offensive line, too, let's give credit to that line. They're they're playing really, really well right now. They are. And, and I think credit to Pat Meyer, a guy who, you yeah. know, he had to kind of make this offensive line into a tough unit without, you know, two first round picks on on the roster, like what built the last great offensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not that this group's great, but they're playing really important most snaps in, in late late games in this season to get the run game going. And, you know, and this, I think that was part of it, too. You know, Najee Harris needed to put his foot in the ground, but also the offensive line needing to give him space to put his foot in the ground because there was a lot of times where there just wasn't space for Najee Harris because teams were just saying, we're going to do everything we can to stop that guy, and there's nothing you could do about it, and the offensive line couldn't change the line of scrimmage. Now they are. Even when they're not changing the line of scrimmage, they're keeping guys from getting into the backfield. Um, but I, you could see, I think on top of the runs that Najee Harris had, Ray, I thought it was also important that after some of those runs, when he got first downs, that he was getting up and kind of like talking to the Ravens a little bit, being like, yeah, we're doing this right now. And you could sort of feel the Steelers – feeding off that energy, just the excitement that that, that was brought there. And, and I think that's part of why you go and get a Najee Harris at times is when you go get a running back that knows how to be a bruiser and knows how to play in those games and kind of lead the way for the team, even when other things aren't working in your, in, in your factor. I, I just I, I was really impressed by how Najee Harris carried himself, how he played, and how Jalen Warren ran. Like you said, you know, when he had a hole, he hit it hard. Um, and there were a couple times he got stuffed here and there, but neither one of them looked deterred. And they had really big games against, again, sure, Calais Campbell didn't play, but Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen were still out there, and they're still a heck of linebackers that these guys had to beat. Yeah, I mean, the the way you look at it, Najee had a really nice, productive rookie season, but you never really saw that swag out of him, right? And, like, last night, Sunday night, that was the first time you can kind of see him playing – with that edge and with that uh, that emotion that you knew that was inside him, it's it's tough to show that when you're, you know, you're going for 48 on 12 carries, right? It's much easier um, uh, to get up and to play with that type of confidence when you're going for 122 on. Uh, I think he had 20 some carries. So um, yeah, I mean, if they can get that version of Najee Harris uh, for a full 17 game season next year, and you sprinkle in Jalen Warren, I mean, I, Chris, I know we talk about it every week, but this offense is set up with its skill guys. Um, yeah. You know, with, with Pat and Najee being uh, second-year guys, uh, you know, Pickens going into year two next year. I know Deontay's a vet, but, I mean, they're, they are set up for a nice little run here. If Kenny Pickett can continue to grow, mm-hmm. and I think he will, and then the other part is, you know, the, the play calling the OC. We don't know what's going to happen there after the season but that to me that's the final piece of the puzzle those two pieces 
Kenny Pickett taking those two, those couple next steps, and then obviously the offense and the coordinating and the play calling. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what hap- what happens there. I think I think a lot of it might be Mike Tomlin maybe taking the cuffs off the next coordinator, whether it's Matt Canada or whether it's somebody else, and just you know trusting in those young guys and trusting in Pickett a little bit more in year two. We'll see how that transpires, but. Um, from a personnel standpoint, other than filling in a few gaps on the offensive line, I think they're set. No, I agree. And you get a speedster back next year in Calvin Austin that everyone was really excited to see this year who never got to, to play. So you got that added to the skill group. I agree, though. They need to invest in the offensive line. But I want to dig into this a little bit more before we flip to the defense. You talked about taking the cuffs off the next offensive coordinator. Do you feel that Matt Canada has been like kind of limited to say, like, hey, man, don't do this over here. Just play this this style of football so that the defense can be the group that wins games. It's hard to say. I, I think it was on the final drive, definitely a fourth quarter drive where they had a, a running game, uh, running play called in the huddle. Kenny gets to the line, and you could just tell Queen and Smith were within a yard of the line of scrimmage. I think they had a four man front, and you just knew a running play wouldn't work. And then they still handed it to Najee. And Najee got stopped for a one-yard gain or no gain. It might have been the final drive. Might have been one of the last plays before uh, the touchdown pass uh, to Najee. So when I talk about plays like that, and I tweeted this last night, you know, you got to either trust your quarterback to audible in that situation, or if you're Mike Tomlin, you got to call a timeout because you know that touchdown to Najee came on third and eight. I don't mm-hmm. if that if that ball is not completed. You're staring at fourth and eight, uh, trying to convert. You're probably out of the playoffs um, if Kenny doesn't roll out of the pocket and make that play. So there are certain things that Mike and the offensive staff can do to make things easier. Um, But that's all part of it, right? I mean, that's part of this conservative game plan, leaning on your defense. Maybe you don't want your rookie quarterback audibling at this point. Maybe you don't want the game in his hands. Maybe you don't want him making mistakes. Maybe you kind of want to be the puppeteer back there and um, kind of control things as much as you can. So that's all part of it. Um, When you do that, you're going to be in close games. You better win these close games, and the Steelers have done that here in the second half of the season. I know that you talked about this a bit on 93.7 The Fan last week, but do you see Matt Canada as part of the future for the Steelers' offense, or is this, despite their, their, their turnaround this season, this is kind of it after the year ends? Yeah, I mean, Chris, when you still look at it, um, what are they averaging? 17.8 points per game. I mean, that's that's, still that's not, not going to be enough uh, next season if you truly want to get back into right. contending status. That's not going to cut it. Um, so what Mike Tomlin has to figure out after the season ends is, uh, is it Mike's issue that he's not trusting in his quarterback and hit or his coordinator enough, or does he have to go out and find a different play caller and a different guy to coordinate um, his offense? So, you know, I, I just think when you look at the season as a whole, and really, let's, I mean, let's take a look at the last two seasons as a whole. Um, other than the last month or so, there mm-hmm. really hasn't been a whole lot of consistency, and there's still not consistency in scoring, there's just consistency in moving the ball and them looking more like a professional offense. So, um, you know, I will tell you that Mike Thomas' decision probably got a little bit tougher the way the second half of the season unfolded. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe he's going to have some things to think over that uh, maybe weren't there a month ago. But uh, again, um, I think in order for this offense to take the next step, um, it might involve a different coordinator, uh, some different concepts, maybe some different uh, coaching styles to kind of help Kenny and all these young skill guys come along a little bit better. I hear you on that. Over the last two years now, the Steelers under Matt Canada uh, at offensive coordinator, the Steelers have won 17 games. In all but three of them, they've scored less than 24 points in those wins. Uh, and I know that speaks highly about the defense and being able to keep them in those types of games. But, you know, I do agree you're going to need the office to take the step forward. You know, and you and I talked about this, you know, trying to just upend the, the offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Not what you want to do for a rookie quarterback who's trying to figure out the pace of the NFL. But we've right. seen Kenny Pickett start to do that. I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers were like, hey, Matt, thank you for your services, but we do yeah. need to kind of head, head in a direction where this offense is making a bit quicker of strides and bit more significant strides moving forward. And they've made strides this year. They're running the football better, and they're doing things. But you want to see that, I think, the more progress than what you've seen. And it's super important. They, they, they do that in 2023 because how much longer can you count on Cam Hayward being that guy? Agreed. You got TJ Watt is still in his prime, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, you you have a defense right now that's going to be very very good for another year, maybe two years. Maybe you got to figure out in, in that time um, before those guys cycle out and before you have some new faces on that defense. I hear you on that. Let's talk about the defense in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll do that in just a sec, so don't go away. But first, got to talk to you guys about Yinzers in the Berg, the number one place for you to go get some Pittsburgh sports apparel accessories and much, much more. If you want to get some Steelers gear as they're gearing up, they got a chance to go 9-8 and eight with a, with a still a chance to make the playoffs. You want to get your you're hyped about Kenny Pickett's uh, game-winning touchdown antics. If you're hyped about Najee Harris and what he's been doing, you can get some gear on both of those guys and any other Pittsburgh athlete, whether it's the Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins, the Panthers, whoever Pittsburgh sports, the users the, the in the Berg stores have it. And you can go right to their stores. They have two of them in the strip district that you can visit throughout the day, throughout the days. But if you can't get to the strip district, don't worry, they got you covered. You go to their website, yinzerspgh.com. That's yinzerspgh.com. And you can shop through all the Pittsburgh sports merchandise that they have available and get it delivered right to your door. Again, that's yinzerspgh.com to find all the best Pittsburgh sports apparel out there for you and yours. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, let's talk about this defense because you talked about how your Cam Hayward's not always going to be there, but in this game he was. And I thought there was a real, like we talked about grow-up moments for the offense, but I thought there was a real grow-up moment for the defense too when Cam Hayward was called for the unnecessary roughness call when he was pulled down onto a pile and made contact with a referee. Um, and it seemed like a questionable moment. But afterwards, I don't know if you, if you guys saw it live, but they showed a replay of it during the game where after that it looked like Minka Fitzpatrick kind of barked something at, at Cam Hayward, and there was some frustration on the sideline, and, you know, they had to be kind of separated for a bit. And, um, you know, and it, like, it looked like that could have been the chance for turmoil and the, and the team falling apart and, you know, making more mistakes. But they 
come back in the second half. They do give up a, a field goal on the on the opening possession of the second half. But after that, they they allow one first down on the next drive, then they force a punt. Then I, I thought one of the biggest factors in this win after the long kick return that the Steelers give up on special teams, the Ravens yeah. get the ball at the 40, uh, the Steelers 40, and you're thinking that's already in Justin Tucker's range. They give up not only they not only don't give up a yard, they three and out them and push them back two yards. The Ravens opt to punt, which keeps the which keeps the Steelers within range. The Steelers get a field goal, and then after forcing another punt, the Steelers get their game winning touchdown drive on offense, and then they're able to close the game with another Minka Fitzpatrick interception. What was the defense able to do right in the second half that fixed the problems that they started to have? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say they were guessing right, but uh, you know, on that. Uh... First, on the first down after the long kick return, mm-hmm. TJ kind of knifed in there, got a, a tackle for a loss, I think for minus one or minus two. And then, as you mentioned, they were able to force a punt. And I, I think a lot of times in the first half, in certain downs and, and distances, you saw TJ rush up the field, not giving a lot of consideration to the run. They would run right through his gap, and they wouldn't be – um, you know, what they always talk about is being um, uh, having ever, having staying in your gap, right? Having gap integrity. And you didn't see that a lot in the first half. And TJ was the main culprit, but I'm sure there were other guys who, who, who did that as well. But the great thing about TJ and why the Steelers are willing to, to live with that is uh, there was another situation. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think second and long. TJ goes and gets a 10-yard sack, sets up a third and 18, and then they force another punt. So, like when I say guess right, those are the types of things that just even out over over the course of a game, right? I mean, you guess wrong in the first half, J.K. Dobbins gets a 15, 20-yard run. You guess right in the second half, it's a 10-yard loss, and then all of a sudden Tyler Huntley's in a third and 18. So, you know, that's kind of the chess match that, that goes back and forth between teams. Um, and in games like that, Chris, that that's one or two plays can really um, shape how a game turns out. So I, I just thought, um, not that they were lucky, they just kind of, um, you know, came through in the right situations and uh, guessed right a few more times. No, I agree. I, I think there's there's guessing right. It's being there, but I think the gap integrity part is is a big part of it too uh, that you mentioned there. Cam Hayward mentioned after the loss to the Ravens, they give up a 44 yard run to J.K. Dobbins in the first match. And in, when that happened, Cam Hayward talked about he jumped out of A-gap because he was trying to do too much. And when someone says that, that says to me that they're trying to help someone else in their right. responsibilities and not necessarily focusing on their own. And sometimes there's moments where that can work out because your leader is just trusted to be able to have that moment. But sometimes you are you are giving up your role on a play, and that could be the thing that cracks the, the, your team. And it did in that moment. Cam Hayward said you, you, you can't afford to do those things. There weren't any moments like that in this game where I felt like players were trying to do too much and stepping outside of their roles. They were trusting each other, and by and large, they won across the board. I thought Larry Ogunjobi had really good push. I thought DeMarvin Leal was really important in this game. Then you see guys like Mark Robinson and Robert Spillane getting snaps over Devin Bush and and, and doing well. Like They they weren't guys that I looked at after this game and said, you know what, they really cost the team. I I think that this – there's, you know, we talk about the grow up on the offense, but there's growing up happening on the defense as well. Absolutely. I mean, you, you can't not talk about the personnel changes in that game when you talk about how, how you go from giving up 215 
to giving up a buck 20. Uh, they went with a big lineup, so they all dressed. Uh, they dressed Rennell Wren. I don't think Red played a lot, but they went with a heavier lineup with, with more defensive linemen. Um, and they only dressed uh, one backup outside linebacker, Jameer Jones. Malik Reed was was one of the uh, healthy scratches. So um, uh, so when you talk about being heavy, they were, they were heavier. They obviously were not going to let J.K. Dobbins control that football game. And then you go to the second level, um, really in that first game, it was a lot of Miles Jack and a lot of Devin Bush. Devin Bush played eight snaps yeah. in this football game. And the only reason he played eight snaps is because Miles Jack uh, re-injured his groin and he had to leave in the second half. Otherwise, I don't know that Devin Bush would have played. So, um, you know, the, we talk about the growth of football teams over the course of a 17-game season. We're seeing it with the offense now. You're seeing it with guys like Leal, who was injured earlier in the season. You're seeing it with Mark Robinson, a guy who wasn't even active for a lot of the games until recently. So that's really, really encouraging um, when, when rookies are stepping in like that or guys who haven't played a lot. Um, that's going to be really big, not only um, in these last games, game or games of this season, but, you know, going forward, I, I would expect Mark Robinson to have a bigger role next season. And the same goes for DeMarvin Leal. We don't know if the Steelers are going to be able to sign Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, you know, we, we don't know what's going to transpire with personnel decisions across that roster. So when you have two rookies who step up in the manner that they did Sunday night, that's huge for your football team. It is. It certainly is. Want to note about the Kent about, uh, excuse me, the Devin Bush snap counts. He played in that loss of the Ravens. He played 51 snaps. That was 84% of the defensive snaps. Then against Carolina, he only played 25, 25 snaps. That was 54%. Then against the Raiders, 21 snaps, that's 40%. So you're seeing the stat, the gradual drop-off, and then just five snaps, 10% against the Ravens. It has been a steady decline in these last three games after the Steelers' last loss. And granted, I think part of it's also because he's not the, the physical run stuffer. He's more of the guy that you want to kind of run in, in space and cover and be faster. Um, and, and and that's certainly more of Robert Spillane, Miles Jack, and Mark Robinson's tool bag. But still, you drafted him 10th overall to be the guy that could do all the things. And I think he's certainly been better this year than he was last year. But you're seeing that he's not really living up to it. And like you said, you know, the Steelers got to make some personnel decisions. He's one of them. They didn't give him his fifth-year option, yeah. which means what do you do at linebacker after this year? Because, you know, you'll, you you still have Miles Jack. You could, you know, maybe bring back Robert Spillane and, and keep Mark Robinson. But it seems to me like linebacker, we're talk, we talked a lot about offense line, defensive line, cornerback, and all these other positions. But I think linebacker needs to be right in their sights as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Chris. I, I know we'll get into this more once the season ends, but, I mean, the, the last three games you mentioned, I can't imagine Devin Bush is back in any capacity now. Miles Jack has been injured, and he's a big cap, cap hit next year. Do you just bring him back because you, you, you want to have guys there, or do you roll with Spillane and Robinson and maybe draft a guy and bring in another free agent? I mean, those are – those are big, big decisions they have to make, um, uh, you know, after the season ends. It's not that Miles Jack is old. It's just that he's kind of always injured, and you just never know yeah. what you're going to get out of him. So they got some big decisions ahead once the season does end. 
They certainly do. We'll talk about some of those decisions as the week rolls on. Mike Thomas press conference noon at the Steelers facility. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Ray Fittipato, Jerry Dulac, Brian Dulac, uh, Brian Bracco, our whole team will be there for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And then, of course, Wednesday, we'll have the North Shore Drive podcast. And then Friday, getting you ready for the big game. Steelers Browns and then of course all the other factors for the record everything that for the, the Steelers needed to happen for playoff hopes did happen this week now the last there's only three things that need to happen the Steelers need to beat the Browns the Jets need to beat the Dolphins and then the Patriots need to lose to the Bills and I'll say this the uh the, the Dolphins not looking too good for their quarterback situation because uh you see Tua Baloa has been in concussion protocol, literally couldn't remember plays from the game before, and that's what alerted them to his situation. And Teddy Bridgewater left that game with a hand injury, couldn't get back to it, looked like his finger was messed up from a hit. Dolphins may be down to a third-string quarterback. And on the flip side, Ray, not just the playoffs, but uh, the Colts have been on a complete skid since Jeff Saturday took over. They are now playing the Texans. If the Texans beat the Colts, and we've now confirmed that Sam Ellinger will be the quarterback for the Colts this week, if the Texans beat the Colts and the Bears lose to the Packers, who are playing a lot better football, it means the Bears get the first overall pick of the NFL draft and the Steelers get the first overall pick of the second round of the draft, which means the 32nd pick because the Dolphins forfeited their first rounder. And essentially, the Steelers would get two picks to end the first 32 and make the playoffs if the right things happen next Sunday. Great. That's crazy to think about if you were talking a couple months ago. It should be a fun week 18, both with the playoff scenarios and finding out where they're going to draft in the spring. Absolutely. We'll break more of that down here on the North Shore Drive podcast. And of course, on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Check out the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com. Thanks, Ray. Thanks you for checking us out. Remember, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you saw it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily content. We got Pitt Mailbag coming up Tuesday, where Noah Hiles and I talk about not just the Sun Bowl win that they had, but if Pitt basketball is getting things right, then we're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast on Wednesday. It's going to be a fun week with a lot to talk about in this upcoming weekend of sports. We'll see you then right here on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's YouTube and podcast pages. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.